welcome to another episode of Anchor Girl Music of the Indie Rock Persuasion. I'm your host, Amanda Starling, here to talk to you about all things intersectional feminism, DIY, and of course the music. Can you believe 2019 is almost up? It's been so busy between the holiday rush, end of the year lists, so many for me to work on, and all the countdown to new Star Wars if you are a geek like me. And I feel like it's all been a blur, but truly there's been a soundtrack this year to life that is just loaded with powerful music made by our favorite artists. I mean, just last week, we got new music from Georgia Mac of Camp Cope, among so many other releases that just keep coming. Clearly, 2019 isn't ready to slow down just yet, and I guess we do. We do have time to catch up, so do it. But two songs that stood out to me this fall were by none other than Hit Like a Girl. Nicole Marulis, whose music as Hit Like a Girl and nonprofit work as No More Dysphoria may be familiar to you, but both of these have made an enormous impact on the scene. With all of their talent and work, they're truly creating an unforgettable presence in the independent music community that is also speaking up for voices that are otherwise unrecognized, including LGBT folks, which is crucial. Um, but... Wonderfully enough, I was able to get in touch with Nicole, and they joined to talk about their latest singles, booking DIY shows, and becoming inspired to play because of all their friends, uh, their first fest as Hit Like a Girl, awesome set by the way, choosing to focus on making a social impact with the help of music, and their goals for no more dysphoria going forward. So, with all that in mind, let's hear some more of their music, and then, yeah, let's get to know Nicole.
welcome Nicole to Angry Girl Music of the Indie Rock Persuasion. How are things going? Everything is going fantastic. Uh, really can't complain. How are things with you? Really good. Um, I just got over a little bout of fest flu, so I'm on the recovery mm -hmm. side of that, thank goodness. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, I'm also on the receiving end of that. I don't. It, you'll probably hear it a little bit throughout the interview, but I definitely lost my voice at fest. Um, oh, no. So my voice anything. Uh, apologize in advance. Was that after your set? Um, no, I think it was during, um, it was a con giving my head off for World's Greatest Dad and Joyce Manor. <laughs> I don't blame you. Well, you still so sounded like, amazing. Right two days <laughs> yeah, we do a whole oh, lot of that you. all weekend. A lot of screaming. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. But it was still so much fun. Oh, I'm so glad. It was it was your first time playing Fest too, right? It was my first time playing Fest as Hit Like a Girl. Yeah, um, I had the honor of playing last year as well for the first time in Mississippi. Um, but you know, I was just part of the band for that. Whereas you know, Hit Like a Girl is my thing that I front, so it was my first time, I guess, for my band. Oh yeah, how did that feel for you? Oh, it was great. It was uh, it it's nice to see. Um, progress going up you know instead of feeling pretty stagnant it was cool to be in someone else's band last year and then be there with my band this year that's so amazing and like the room was packed too at the Atlantic I loved that set <laughs> yeah. oh my god yeah uh, I, I still um kind of get butterflies when I think about it <laughs> yeah, I just feel like the energy was just right with like everybody who came to that set as well as like your live band. It seemed like everybody was just jamming and it was awesome. Mm -hmm. So fun. yeah, it was, it was, it was such a good time. I'm so glad that you got to have that experience. <laughs> Thank you. So, um, I have so many questions for you about all the things that you're doing in DIY, but uh, before we dig into all of that, I kind of want to ask you a little bit about how you kind of first got involved in music. What kind of made you decide, hey, I want to learn how to play? Um, well, I mean, I feel like that might be a little bit of a loaded question, sort of. Um, you know, it all started when, <laughs> um, you know, to save that, you know, uh, boring backstory, um, fast forward a couple of years. Um, a couple of years ago, I, you know, I've was going to shows for you know for the past like 10 years now I'm about to be 28 so I'm a little bit older than a lot of of my peers in DIY but you know I've been going show to shows for so long and a couple years ago I uh, um, became really good friends with a band called Forever Living Sleep and uh, went to a lot of their shows and helped them book a lot of tours and shows and stuff and through doing that I met a lot of bands that I'm still friends with today and met a lot of people that are still like booking shows and whatnot today. So I kind of used all the contacts that I gained from being friends with them to help kind of kickstart Hit Like a Girl. Um, so when I started booking shows and stuff, it was kind of a little easier for me right off the bat, just because of how many people I already knew going into it. Um, but I spent a lot of those earlier years being like shy and I was kind of too scared to put myself out there and um once I kind of said you know what I want to do it too started doing it um you know it's still nerve-wracking but it's getting easier as, as each show passes <laughs> that's what I'm told that you know the more you play it out the more that you book and everything it gets a lot easier yeah but you know I still get nervous before every show Oh, I can only imagine, honestly, like the one time I did a live podcast show, that was extremely nerve wracking. I can't imagine like doing it as a musician, at least yet. <laughs> I'll put the word yet there because that's <laughs> it'll happen eventually. <laughs> Do you play? Uh, I'm learning bass. Cool, cool. Hell yeah. That's great. Yeah, I want to eventually get involved in learning how to play music and stuff. And I'm slowly picking up tips from different friends. I think it's mostly just a matter of me getting around to practicing more. <laughs> For sure. So were there any people that like really motivated you or kind of like inspired you to go from being somebody who was like um, booking to like, okay, this is it. I really got to go all in on this Hit Like a Girl project. Um, 
So there used to be a show, or uh, I want to say, so it's like it was a there's an annual show in New Jersey, and it also became a nonprofit organization under the same name, but it was called Not Just a Boys Club, and it was mm-hmm. this really cool collective that um, some non-men in New Jersey had started a few years ago, and it was like this annual little DIY festival that only booked bands that had non-male members in it. Mm-hmm. And just like that um, community that that inspired and a lot of the things that the bands would say if, like during their sets and stuff about how like, you know, it takes, it, it just, it was just like a very, a really inspiring um, event to be a part of. Mm-hmm. And um, when my nonprofit started, we started tabling those earlier um, fests and stuff. And just being in that community was like really cool and seeing all these, non-men who didn't really get regular show opportunities just played a like a packed room and stuff I, it was just like I don't know I remember that feeling like I remember that light bulb clicking in my head specifically and I was like I want to do that like I want to be that person that is inspiring someone else to want to do the same thing and get on that stage and you know play music and have fun and do all those things too so I, I do remember that little DIY fest here in New Jersey being that like real I don't know uh straw that broke the camel's back for me or for lack of a different cliche <laughs> sometimes <laughs> you just need that group of people who's like pushing for those kind of opportunities to kind of make it feel accessible to you and stuff and I love that that's what you've been doing with both your music and your nonprofit. Yeah, that's definitely the right (laughs) combination of words for it, for sure. (laughs) It's like not realizing the opportunity is there until someone, like, it's like, you know, it's there all along, but someone like puts the puzzle pieces together for you. And that's when you realize like, oh yeah, this is a thing I can do. Absolutely. So at that point, um, were you already tabling for No More Dysphoria? Oh yeah. So No More Dysphoria is a lot older than the band. Um, I've been doing No More Dysphoria for about uh, four years now, and Hit Like a Girl probably is about two years old. Um, so I used to go to a bunch of friends, bands, shows, and local shows here in New Jersey and set up a little merch table. And I had um, this cute vinyl banner that I would hang up and give out pamphlets and stuff. Um, so I was doing that a lot. And then, I don't know, it just it was a very, like, very, very slow incline and uh, um, I was like I wonder how I can get this organization more well-known nationally known like and kind of make it go faster and then I was like well if it it was touring it would probably get in more people's hands and things like that and that's it's just like all the 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 light bulbs all started turning on one by one I was like all right well I'll start a band and I'll start touring and I'll start playing shows and I'll mix the two and I'll do this and I'll do that and kind of what it is <laughs> what was it that made you decide it was time to start no more dysphoria was there like a moment or an interaction that was just like okay i gotta do this oh absolutely so um obviously i'm not gonna name names for you know yeah. keeping them safe but my friend um told me so my fr- my friend had this idea basically they were like i want to start this nonprofit. i want to call it no more dysphoria and i want to help people transition and they said that to me and I don't know I just was like that's amazing let me help you and so I don't think they knew how serious that was um so it was me and three other friends at the time and I was like coming up with all these ideas I was like all right we're gonna make shirts we're gonna go to shows and like we're gonna get this band involved and we're gonna reach out to this radio station whatever and I was just like shooting ideas left and right and I was like we need a design we need a logo and this that and this and that and then my friends were kind of just like whoa like I gotta go to work I don't have time for all this <laughs> really think that you know it's gonna be all this work and um so my friends all sort of started backing out one by one and um I just kept going because I was just like this idea is so good like we have to make this happen and help people I don't know and like 
it just, I, I just kept going with it. And I remember reaching back out to my friend like a year later and I was like, you don't care, right? Like, you don't mind that I'm still like doing this or whatever. And she was like, oh my God, no, like go for it. So, you know, she, it's not like she didn't want to do it. She was just afraid of being too involved and like getting outed. So, you know, it's also kind of like a homage to my friend as well, who mm. wanted to do it, but it's literally scared for her safety and can't, <laughs> you know what I mean? That's so awesome that you're able to really help get that idea off the ground and stuff to where it's, you know, your friend is still able to kind of like see the growth and everything and it keeps your friends. Oh safe. yeah, for sure. Yeah. It, um, you know, she makes you feel good for kind of like doing it for her or whatever, you know? Yeah, definitely. And you're able to really help it grow now with like you being able to focus on it as well as be able to use your platform with Hit Like a Girl also to amplify it too. Yeah, absolutely. That's so perfect because you are able to really bridge those together in a way that's like, I feel really helping elevate No More Dysphoria while still showing off your art and your skills musically. Yeah, it was definitely a hard, like not not even hard, but like a scary bridge to gap in the beginning because um, I don't know, there's a lot of anxieties that kind of follow me with merging the two um because i don't want like one to take away from the other and you know whatever but um i think i've managed not the perfect i haven't found the perfect way to balance it but i think i'm doing all right yeah at least from an outsider's perspective you definitely are because i mean the fact that instead of doing traditional merch sales of like your band stuff you do sales right. of the no more dysphoria stuff and that's really yeah. cool because I'm starting to see more and more bands start to be that thoughtful with like their merch tables and stuff but it's cool that you've had that intention from the start yeah yeah there's um, a band I really love that I'm friends with called Pity Party and mm -hmm. they give out um, a bunch of free resources for different things that, on their merch table too which is really cool to see Definitely. Yeah. Cause it's like, it, it makes it just that much more valuable of a space. And if it's like, if it's free resources like that, it's like, it makes that information more accessible. And maybe somebody who can't, who could only afford to like get their ticket that night to the show, for example, they're still walking away with something meaningful. Yeah, absolutely. And there's almost, to me, it's like almost silly to have a platform if you're not going to uh, do anything like to invoke change with it, you know, like, I don't know, nothing, really matters more to me than leaving the world a better place than the way you found it. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, I think if you are going to give yourself or be given a platform in any capacity, you should do something positive with it for sure. Definitely. Definitely. And like what you're in the platform that you chose to speak toward things like, um, being able to provide resources for folks who may be undergoing transition and stuff was just, to me, that's so powerful because there still are not enough resources. And you, I feel like what you're doing with No More Dysphoria is you're really educating the DIY community, a place that's like very still white and male about things like right. gender identity and expression and stuff. It's, it's crucial. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I don't, and I don't even think I know everything that there is to know about the subject but I guess um I it's a good place to start I guess <laughs> definitely neat and like there's always different people that you meet I'm sure like when you're whether it's as an artist or as somebody involved in your nonprofit in that way you can kind of learn more from others experiences and stuff for sure because you speak more to, it sounds like, not just in your music, but with the nonprofit, a lot to like your identity of being non-binary, um, but other people have different expressions and stuff, and you try to kind of help people across like the spectrum, if you will. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, no one's perfect, but I think I am doing my best, and that's really all we can do. Absolutely. That's, that's so crucial. Um, if you don't mind us kind of going back a little bit to your music, um, you started off as a singer-songwriter, and then you've kind of mm -hmm. developed into a full band. How would you kind of describe your sound, and how did that kind of develop over time? Um, a lot of the sound, I have to give a lot of credit to uh, my friend Levi Miller, who helped produce um, both of our full-length records, because mm -hmm. um, literally without, I don't even think this band would exist, but... 
um, what had happened was I was doing this like weird traveling job back in the day before um, I really started taking things off the ground with it like a girl. And I knew I was passing through Levi's town in West Virginia with the job. I had all these songs written because, you know, I whatever enjoyed writing singer songwriter stuff and knew I wanted to record them. So when I went to go record You Make Sense, our first LP, I was originally going into there with the idea of recording it as an acoustic album. So I hit up my friend Levi and I was like, hey, I have all these songs. I'd really love to do this acoustic record with you because I'll be in your town, you know, whatever. They're like, yeah, absolutely come through. We started recording and they're like, how would you feel if, uh, you know, use an electric guitar instead? And I was like, I don't know. Okay, I'll try it. And they're like, uh, do you mind if I just uh, jump on the drums real quick? And I was like, uh, sure, I guess. And, you know, they just started jamming drums and, uh, you know, really like just started helping me reshape the songs. And I heard them for the first time differently in this whole new light that I didn't think they, they could ever exist as. Mm-hmm. I was like, this is cool. Mm-hmm. This is this is fun. And we record the whole record that way. And, um, you know, I'm just super grateful for that experience. And that's, I was just kind of like, all right, well, this is the thing now. This is the sound I have. So I guess I'm just going to roll with this. And I definitely don't regret it or and I'm not mad about it or anything. It's just funny how it worked out that way. <laughs> like expecting to be an acoustic, like slower sad thing to this upbeat full band like indie pop emo thing that's so cool how your friend was able to just really help you kind of take your sound to the next level in that sense and give it something fuller with like the drums and electric guitar and everything um that kind of Mm -hmm. like openness you had to it too is so cool because um being able to just say okay let's try it at least like okay is is really cool because that gave you something that you weren't expecting. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I knew, like, I always wanted to, like, be, like, in a band or whatever. I just, you know, didn't have an actual – I didn't have bandmates. So I was like, all right, well, I guess I can't have a band because I don't have bandmates. And it took me a long time to figure out that I could do it by myself. And it took me a long time to figure out, like, okay, well, people will want to fill in for shows and tours and stuff. And it was just, you know, once I figured out that that was okay and, like, there were no rules like you know I thought the rules were you had to have bandmates to have a band and once I figured out how to maneuver around that is kind of how things started to pop off that makes sense because it's like I think there's always this assumption that like if you're gonna have a band like you said it's like it has to be a full band designated bandmates doing this and that and I think it kind of opens you up to the ability of having people sub in if you want yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. I still would love a permanent lineup of a band, um, very much so, but, um, it's hard to, especially like where I live, I live in North New Jersey and mm-hmm. I feel like a, a lot of beautiful, talented musicians are around, but they're all committed to their own projects. So it's hard to find people that are willing to commit, which is the problem. I'm sure. But are you able, do you feel like you can get always like a good group together when it comes time to like do tours and stuff? Cause I mean, you just came off of this really awesome tour with like nervous data and everything. Oh yeah, absolutely. I feel like this last tour, I definitely um, felt just so grateful for everyone that like, even, even like at our fest set, we had um, Shannon from Awake But Still In Bed play guitar and Zach mm-hmm. from Good Looking Friends played guitar and um my friend Sawyer and Anna from Padfoot and Warrington from Virginia jumping in on keys and trumpet and Stevie from adult mom jumped in with harmonies and um, Liv from adult mom plays drums with me sometimes. So, you know, I guess now it's definitely not very hard to find fill-ins or anything. And it's kind of cool that I get to keep forming these little super groups with all my friends. Definitely. And like, that's a stacked super group that you had at Fest too. That's for sure. (laughs) It was so much fun. Definitely. And like, um, I know you mentioned that Levi, of course, kind of helped influence your sound in a way with like that first record and stuff, putting everything into like almost the full band sound. And you've supported a lot of incredible acts too, like playing Keys in Kississippi. Um, Mm -hmm. Do you feel like you've learned different things that you want to apply to your sound from playing with so many different people across so many different bands? Oh, absolutely. Oh my gosh. Um, it's definitely a blessing 
in disguise getting to play with so many different people. Um, and, you know, not everyone plays uh, my songs the same. Mm-hmm. So it's like almost kind of interesting to like pick apart little things that, okay, well, so-and-so played it this way and so-and-so played it this way. So, you know, I really like the way that so-and-so did this and that person did this. So let's maybe combine this and that and this and that. So it's like kind of cool to like, hear other people's takes and perspectives on different parts of the songs and stuff. Um, and then, yeah, through Kississippi, oh my gosh, the friends I've made through that band and the things I've been able to learn about being in a band and being in the industry and just, you know, working side by side with musicians who have been in the game for so much longer. You learn so many little tips and tricks that, you know, it's kind of hard to learn in DIY, mm-hmm. I guess. Um, like I remember Kissabi did a full US tour last summer with uh Foxing and Rap Boys and um Ricky from Foxing brought like his laptop and um I remember he was working on his solo record and um I got to hear a little bit of it and like the tones he was using and um you know, it was just like really cool to like see that happening and I was like, Oh, like that's interesting, that's cool and like, you know, it kind of inspired a little more of an interest in synths and less using less guitars and like the same thing happened when Kissippi toured with Caroline Rose like they were using like such cool gear that you know I didn't I never like really thought I had an interest in like the OP1 is like the small this really tiny little synth that you can fit in your backpack and you know um they were using that like in the green room and I was like wow this is cool so just like super inspiring to see all this new gear and ideas and things you can do on the road and incorporate that into my own music maybe. Absolutely. If anything, I feel like with your new songs, like No More Dysphoria and It's Not Me, there is a little bit more of like that kind of like pop, maybe slight synthy influence and stuff. But did that kind of oh, come from that tour? Um, yeah, I think so. And um, No More Dysphoria in that song, um, I co-wrote that song with my friend Fred that plays in my band sometimes um, mm-hmm. and he runs his own recording studio in Pennsylvania and um, he's always learning about different synths too so sometimes he'll bring ideas to the table that <laughs> sort of overwhelm me and I'll be like oh, I don't know like uh, this is too crazy I don't know how we'll ever incorporate this live I don't think you know we should tone it down a notch or whatever so like him bringing all these like crazy ideas to the table and then me seeing them happen unfolded in front of me firsthand with all these other musicians that I meet it's like oh okay well maybe it's a little less daunting Mm -hmm. and then so a lot of those influences drawn from all these different places I think definitely do appear in that song and and in it's not me and everything like that for sure that's so awesome because yeah those kind of experiences just playing with other people and seeing how other people do stuff I feel like it in general, it just inspires so much, cre- so much creativity. And then the fact that it kind of influenced your sound in a way that I think is like so energetic and like invigorating was just so awesome. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, even for you, like, I know you said you're learning bass right now and I don't know if you're like the competitive type, but you know, I think um, if you ever get a chance to like jam with someone that's like really, really good at bass, I think mm-hmm. you should definitely j- jump on that opportunity because um, sometimes just being around people that are just like super experienced in whatever craft you're trying to learn too will also invigorate like this inspiration and stuff for you to want to get better. So if you do meet any like crazy killer bass players, definitely ask them to jam for a little bit. I know a few. I'm definitely going to hit them up. That's a really great idea. Yeah, um, definitely. Just play with people that are three times better than you and you'll be like, wow, <laughs> I need to get to that level. That's really solid advice, honestly. (laughs) Yeah. So you've developed a lot musically in even just like the two years that you've been doing Hit Like a Girl. Um, I really loved, of course, your first record, You Make Sense, and you keep kind of producing music rather quickly over the last two years. It's kind of awesome (laughs) that you've written like two full lengths and you've got new songs already that are out. Um, What are some things that you've learned as a musician through the whole process of like, starting on your first record up until these new singles that you have out now? Um, I know songwriting is definitely different for everyone, of course. Um, and, you know, sometimes it'll take me forever to write one song, and sometimes I can write a song in five minutes. Um, just, I guess it's 
luck of the draw, but um, I, I don't know. I write a lot of poetry, so I don't know if you've noticed, but every single one of my songs rhyme, and not just because of any particular reason. I mean, I just personally enjoy songs that rhyme, mm-hmm. and um, that's just how I write my poetry and stuff like that. So I, I feel like I write a bunch of poetry and then sort of pick and choose different stanzas and things that I think would be cool in a song. Um, so I know that may not necessarily like work out for someone else. Um, and another thing I would say is if you, I feel like a lot of people like blame um, a lack of production on like quote unquote, not feeling inspired enough, which is valid. And I get that, but um, I know it's easier said than done, but if you're ever feeling like you aren't inspired or you can't find the motivation to write something, if you just sit down and keep at it, I know it sounds easier said than done, but just kind of almost force yourself to be creative. You'd be surprised at how creative you'll actually wind up being. And if you're like in your bedroom, for example, and you can't write anything and you really want to, but nothing's coming out, go to the living room or go sit in your car or go to the coffee shop, like changing your environment too. You'd be surprised how low, like subconsciously inspiring that is too. Absolutely. It's what, it's what you're also exposing yourself to in that sense, whether it's like the environment or I know for me, like I try to like for any kind of creativity I'm trying to get into, it's like, okay, let me put on some music in the background or like take a couple mm-hmm. minutes to like skim through the Instagram of like a favorite artist or something, you know? Yeah. I don't know why for me, but writing in the car is like where half of my songs get written. I just, oh, really? Yeah, I don't know why. Just like sitting in the car in the parking in a parking lot somewhere just like brings the emo out in me. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Were both of the new songs written in a car? Um, any of these two songs? Yeah. Let's see. Actually, no, no more story. I wrote um, while I was waiting to clock in at work. I was sitting at one of the the restaurant tables, uh-huh. looking around, um, and just feeling like we I don't know just I, I remember this day I was like waiting to clock in at work and I was like I, I someone called me a girl or something and like I work with a bunch of like normies so I wasn't going to correct them and I was like oh this sucks and then I don't know I just those lyrics just poured out of me that day I remember that and uh it's not me I think I wrote on the floor in my living room so mm-hmm. these two actually were not written in the car but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, most, most of the songs on the first two records were all car song I see I see okay well um if you don't mind us digging a little bit into the song no more dysphoria it I feel like it so clearly articulates the emotions that surround dysphoria the literal experiences and stuff that like let's uh, like let's just be real here so people don't have to deal with this at all and Mm -hmm. um I feel like you really shared an experience that's so personal and stuff that um, many people that I know, I, I can only say that because I am somebody who is cis, but like, I don't, I don't face this, but people that I know who aren't cis have articulated this in the exact way that you're describing in this song. Um, have you had other people kind of like express this, like, thank you for understanding or like for oh sharing yeah. experience that like, you know, is something that is so crucial that doesn't get shared enough beyond like conversation, you know? Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, uh, unfortunately, uh, too, I think too many people reached out saying they understood, which kind of sucks because, you know, it's not really something, you know, you'd wish that anyone understands, unfortunately. But yeah, um, a couple people did reach out um, mm-hmm. saying they didn't really know how to put this feeling into words and thanked me for kind of doing it for them. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I think being non-binary, like people have painted a picture of like what that means and people don't understand how broad it actually kind of is mm-hmm. um a lot of people think that for an assigned female at birth person to say they're non-binary that means they have to be like an androgynous type which i don't think that's true and i think a lot of people who see an assigned male at birth person say they're non-binary that means they have to um you know look more feminine and like that's not true and um, I don't know. I don't really feel like I fit into any stereotypical 
non-binary quote-unquote like uh stereotypes or roles or anything like that but um yeah I don't know I just uh gender sucks <laughs> I don't yeah. know I, don't, I, I feel like I can go on this whole long tangent about it so I don't know I don't want to go too far off the rails here <laughs> No, I just wanted to, yeah, if anything, I just wanted to just like highlight the fact that like, you know, you're right. It's so important that like people understand that being non-binary can be a fluid experience, kind of like how you describe within the song where it's like some days maybe you feel closer to masculine, some days you might feel closer to feminine, mm -hmm. sometimes you probably feel yep. nothing and yeah, every person experiences it differently and stuff and like fuck the binary first off <laughs> but like yeah. I know oh, how yeah. I, I I've seen in the faces of friends and stuff it's like how hard it that is and like that song just to me comes across as so liberating in a way it's like you know what this is who I am I'm gonna figure it out and I'm not gonna let these moments of pain and discomfort just like crush me which is mm -hmm. yeah absolutely um, you know, prime example, I don't really, uh, I've been growing my hair out for some reason. I don't know. This is the longest my hair's been in years. And, mm -hmm. you know, whatever. I guess to an outside perspective, I have a feminine hairstyle right now. It's so just because it's long. But mm -hmm. um, I don't know. I'm kind of low key going for like that, like long haired dude look. I don't know. But my point is, is um, there's just like, I, I just, I've always felt like the only way to like pass as any type of male is to have a short, like a short haircut. So like mm -hmm. for most of my life, I've always had short hair and it's just, you know, waking up one day and just being like, fuck it. Like what is passing? Like, who cares? Just be yourself. Like, I don't know. Everyone, everyone's transitions come in different colors and everyone, you, you know, you never know who kind of falls under this fluid gender spectrum and who doesn't so yeah, yeah and it's it's not really anyone's place to say where somebody falls within a spectrum except for the person whose identity it is you know yeah exactly i always try to operate under like don't assume anything about anyone because that's their identity not yours to impose on them right exactly so but i i feel like it i feel like with no more dysphoria at least it's if if you're a decent human being, the song is very like educational to like assist person in that sense too. Like you know, just be respectful of people. <laughs> They're going mm -hmm. through things and like they have identities and stuff that they grapple with. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what was it like for you to kind of like assign this song the title um, "No More Dysphoria" while you have your nonprofit "No More Dysphoria"? Was that something you did kind of intentionally, or was it just a coincidence? Yeah, um, it didn't have a title for the longest time. Um, the working title of it was just Gender Song. Mm -hmm. but, um, uh, like the original like wave files like are all all say like Gender Song, Master A, Master B, <laughs> <laughs> whatever. Um, so when it came time to obviously picking a title, I, I hate I hate titling things. Mm -hmm. um, I'm very lazy about it. I usually just title all my songs a lyric to make it easily identifiable for people. But um, I did actually think about this one. Um, and yeah, I don't know. I thought having the same title as the nonprofit would actually just be like a cool, um, what's the word, like homage to, is that the word, to the yeah. nonprofit? Yeah, I think yeah, so. Yeah, so, <laughs> yeah. so I, th I think that's kind of what I was aiming at doing. That's really cool because I feel like it connects it all together in that way that um, you're kind of looking to do, being able to kind of like connect your art to this really important nonprofit and everything. And that's yeah. just, that's really awesome that you found a way to do that with a specific song too. Yeah. Yeah. It was pretty cool how it all came together like that. It, it, it makes, I don't know, it's fun. Definitely. I, I think like, like little um, like Easter eggs uh, is in music and bands and stuff is, interesting and cool yeah definitely and you did it in a really like awesome meaningful way here for sure thank you definitely yeah thanks so much for being open to talking about kind of like the details of that song and everything that's that's so awesome oh, of course 
Yeah, no, that absolutely. <laughs> yeah, between that and like honestly, um, it's not me. That's your more recent single and stuff. That song is really amazing because I feel like it's 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 kind of heartbreaking how important it is to kind of heal and stuff and like you know the kind of end of a relationship and stuff that you're kind of processing there is just heavy and like the, the way you've done it musically of course is just like it's it's that upbeat energy I feel like that that full band sound kind of get, like renders to it and stuff but um can you kind of talk a little bit about like writing that song and um what that experience was like for you yeah um I think so I mean I, I don't know without sounding too cliche or whatever like well it's a song about my ex-girlfriend like you never heard those <laughs> before <laughs> um you know because it, it is that but you know I wanted it to be a little more than just like oh why doesn't she love me anymore you know whatever <laughs> um, so I thought um kind of trying to write lyrics that were a little more specific and detailed to mm -hmm. what happened what I went through would make it that little bit more interesting mm -hmm. um so a lot of the lyrics are kind of just like pieces of like conversations we had on the phone or you know whatever things that obviously very specifically happened um I feel like as a songwriter a lot of songwriters kind of struggle with asking themselves okay well how specific should I get in these lyrics to me because how is anyone going to relate to something that so specifically only happened to me you know what I mean because mm -hmm. most people connect with songs because they relate to it somehow so um I remember writing the song and thinking like oh, I don't know like if it's gonna if this is gonna be good because it's too specific to me no one's gonna relate to it no one's gonna like it whatever um but because I am such a fan of poetry I you know a lot of poets that I enjoy write so specifically to themselves in such specific detail that I was like, all right, whatever, I'm just gonna do it. So um, I do remember after I got broken up with, I moved back to New Jersey and I was like homeless for a while, couch surfing and stuff. And once I finally got my own apartment that I live in now, I remember just sitting on the floor with no furniture in it and just kind of looking around empty walls and being like, this sucks. <laughs> um, and just, kind of wrote about how I got there so that's I guess that's kind of really all there is to it without getting into the whole cliche song about your ex-girlfriend thing yeah no that that's that's really crucial that you were able to kind of dig into like the details kind of like how you mentioned for your experience because like poetry is so great at doing that perfect balance of it and the details mm -hmm. of like tossing the ring and everything it's like that was just detailed enough to make it a very distinguished song I feel like or yeah that that kind of stuff I feel like was able to make it enough to where it was like it's your unique experience but it's universal enough to where people can kind of they can understand the experience and relate it to their own in a way because mm -hmm. you're able to kind of like I don't know it's 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 just right and <laughs> I love it so much yeah 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 I, I'm glad people are enjoying it because like I said I was definitely scared to write something that you know was too specific and like not vague enough for people to connect to because you can write a love song about anything but as long as you if you if you keep the lyrics like almost vague enough you can mm -hmm. relate it to anything you want so you can write a love song about your dog and you know you can say the words I love you and then someone could take hear that and take that and relate it to themselves in any which way they want they can think it's about a lover but you're writing big enough and it's actually about your dog you know whatever but <laughs> you know this was just so specific to me that I was just scared that no one would really be able to relate to it on some sort of level no I think I think you hit the nail on the head with that one for sure and like it seems like you're getting a lot of really positive reception it seems like by different blogs and stuff whether it's with it's not me or no more dysphoria and stuff what's it like for you to get all that feedback kind of coming in with these new songs um, it's amazing. Um, so the Gray Estates talked about it and Lauren's a good friend of mine, so it was super nice of them to do that. And then a couple bigger blogs like Blood and Stereo Gum and Brooklyn mm -hmm. Vegan, like oh my god. The, I I've been dying to get on their radar for God knows how long, you know. So it's just like super 
satisfying to kind of like, it almost feels like I crossed the finish line, you know? Definitely. Cause it's got to feel validating for like these outlets that you've seen highlight artists that you probably like a lot. Giving you that Absolutely. kind of attention is huge. Right. You know, and then now it's kind of like, all right, well now I can shift my focus to some other bigger outlets. You know, it's like small goals. So now mm-hmm. it's like, I got my eyes set on like, Audio Tree and Pitchfork and NPR, you know. Hell yeah, you deserve all of that, that's for sure. <laughs> oh, thanks. Well, like the, cool the stars, part- you know. Yeah, absolutely. No, no question there. And like the cool part is, is I've noticed that all of these different outlets, every time they write about Hit Like a Girl, they're also mentioning your work with No More Dysphoria, almost like synonymously. How does that feel to have it kind of all tied together in the way that you've intended? Um, it definitely feels cool. Like all of my hard work over the years is finally starting to uh, be recognized and pay off. Um, you know, it, I don't know. It's just cool. And No More Dysphoria has really uh, just taken off in the past year. Like the, the first year we started, like I said, four years ago, we only made like $300 that year in mm-hmm. donations. We Like we only donated like $300 and now like I don't know. We probably donated like 10 grand this year. You know, it's just, it's crazy. So what are some goals that you have for No More Dysphoria kind of going into 2020? I know you mentioned that there was some really awesome fundraising this year and stuff. Yeah. um, I mean, my all-time goal is to pay for someone's transition beginning to end. Mm. Um, Obviously that's going to cost, I don't know, that could cost like 50 grand or a hundred grand or something like that. So like, that's always going to be my end goal I guess or end game goal like if I ever accomplish that I'll be like you know we did it or well, I don't know whatever but uh, <laughs> as far as like smaller more achievable goals um I don't know I think I think we're doing pretty good I guess I the only thing I would say is maybe com- try to come up with like different more efficient fundraising ideas and just try and like double and triple our number numbers from this year and donate even more next year you know Um, absolutely yeah right now we're kind of like most of our model is we sort of give like smaller monetary amounts to people so that the money is getting spread further Mm -hmm. um so I don't know maybe we can even try and think of ways like if we fundraise more and have more funding maybe we can give bigger monetary donations to the same amount of people like that would be a cool um, progress for us or something. Absolutely. Cause that money goes toward all kinds of things that can help people when it comes to gender expression, gender identity and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, maybe partner up with some more companies like this year we partnered up with FTM essentials and maybe next year we can try and partner up with like one or two more companies and get a cool partnership thing going on. I don't know. Something like that. That sounds amazing. Well, I hope that that all happens because what you're doing is crucial for so many people who, uh, you know, may not be able to afford those resources. Thank you. I'm trying, you know. <laughs> I'm, I, I am so cheering you on for it. That's for sure. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. So what about goals for Hit Like a Girl? I know you got these two new songs out, but what's next? Um, I don't know. I'm definitely trying to get in on the festival circuit somehow some way um definitely want to play fest again next year um i know we're already talking about making plans to get to south by um for the third year in a row nice uh, we played we played Bloodfest this year but unfortunately it was the last one so um you know probably looking for something in may to take the space of that but mm-hmm. i don't know just uh trying to get on more festivals maybe um record i am definitely sitting on a bunch of new songs right now so i don't know we'll see that's exciting well we'll have to listen to these two new songs to kind of keep us tied over for now (laughs) yeah i uh am a little i I don't know i want to release keep releasing stuff but i also don't want to like oversaturate myself or whatever but i also know there's no rules and you can do whatever you want and release what you want when you want and things like that so i don't know probably probably gonna record at some point next year that sounds awesome. Well, that's exciting for us as people who love your music, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. So one of the questions I always like to ask kind of toward the end of an interview is if you can play, if you could basically have your own show, 
play with any three <laughs> artists or bands that can be currently active or they can be brought back from the dead, who would it be? Jeez. Mm. Um, any three artists you said? Yep. Um, I think if Hit Like a Girl was able to open for that Boy Genius tour, so Julian Baker, uh, Julian Baker, Phoebe Bridgers, and Lucy Dacus, like if I was able to like open that tour and play with all three of them and Boy Genius, I think I would have died. So I'm going to go with that. That's amazing and a stacked lineup. And that's got to happen <laughs> again sometime. So I'm going to... I hope so. I'm going to send all the vibes in the universe that you get to open up that because it's a, that would just be amazing. I would die. I I would die happy. I, <laughs> I wouldn't need to. I wouldn't need to do anything else in my life. <laughs> Truly. Well, Boy Genius does count technically as one band. Do you want to pick two more? Um, Tegan and Sarah and Taylor Swift. Nice. Okay, I'm gonna put this together <laughs> in my head as a super festival that you get to play on, and that sounds like heaven wow. for so many people. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Thanks. I love your ideas. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> and I'm always surprised by who I end up seeing playing with other artists over time and stuff in like the best way possible. Cause like I will see people opening on these really awesome tours and then eventually headlining their own tours with people that they really admire and respect in music. So for all I know, any I know, one of those like, artists could pick you up at any time. That would be amazing. I mean, that's really all I want to do. Like if, we ever get blessed to be like quote unquote big mm-hmm. um whatever and like play like and be able to headline a cool big tour like oh my god i would love to just take my friends that are like in these smaller bands that are working just as hard pick them up you know by the collar and be like all right i'm bringing you to the top let's go <laughs> <You know? laughs> i love it because you know when the tide rises bring up all the boats bring everybody in let's do this yes yes absolutely i love I that know, you got no that fucking- attitude yeah, like, it's all about community, you know, there's literally no point in playing music if you don't have community in the back of your head at all times. Definitely. Well, I can't think of anybody who embodies that better than you, that's for sure. Oh, thank you. Of course, of course. Well, thanks so much for taking the time to talk to me, Nicole. Um, where can everybody keep up with you on the internet for Hit Like a Girl and No More Dysphoria? We are on every social media platform that everyone else has. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, you name it. Um, SoundCloud, I guess. I don't know if that counts. Spotify. <laughs> but I think I'm the most active on Twitter. So it just hit like a girl NJ or No More Dysphoria. I run both of those accounts. Um, yeah. And that's, that's yeah, that. <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. Well, everybody, please be sure to go follow Nicole and all these awesome projects. They are seriously amazing. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. This was really fun.
just heard Hit Like a Girl. Stay tuned for all of Nicole's projects coming in the new year by following on social media. They'll definitely be one of the best parts of your feed and live music experience. Also to note, Nicole is also on tour this winter with Kississippi, so be sure to check out No More Dysphoria information and merch at Kississippi's table. And also be sure to support Kississippi. We love all of the work that Nicole is doing, that Zoe's doing, all these people are fantastic. Please consider donating to No More Dysphoria. They really do great work in helping transgender folks pay for major aspects of their transition, whether it's to assist them through the process if they want to have bindings or they do want to reach that awesome goal of being able to completely pay for somebody's transition. So be a part of that. That's a really awesome and important thing to do. You're helping people and... Yes, please support No More Dysphoria. That's it for this week, but you can always keep up with me online. Follow the podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram for regular updates. Subscribe and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, Stitcher, Overcast, and more. Want to tell me you think of the podcast? Leave a review on any of the apps. I'd love to hear from you. For more news, thoughts, feels, or just all the podcast episodes, please visit angrygirlmusic.com. I'm always booking guest spots, so hit me up at angrygirlmusic at gmail.com. Whether you write and play music, run a blog, take photos, work in publicity, or book shows, this can be a space for you. So send me a link to work and let's chat. I'm already booking guests for 2020. Let's have an awesome year and have you be on the pod. But until next time, stay angry. And support crucial nonprofits, especially during the holiday season, because you could be giving an awesome gift of supporting somebody. Bye for now. Mm -hmm.